Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How would you describe that game overall, the, the back support of the Peak Valley? Well, really a tough loss. You know, one thing you see, you know, we're making hard contact. And they play some outstanding defense. I mean, a couple of those plays are right in the middle of a, could have been a first and third. So we got to give their defense credit. One chance we had, you know, to add, and of course, the fifth inning. But, you know, we hit ball hard all day long. But couldn't get runs on the board and almost got out of it. You know, the tough one, Liam made a heck of a pitch on Cabrera. Broke his bat, I think. But it's two runs. So it's a tough, tough loss. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock talking baseball. That was Tony LaBrusa after the Sox's tough 5 4 opening day loss to the Detroit Tigers in Detroit at Comerica Park, Bruce. And just moments ago, up in Detroit before today's second game of the season, White Sox beat reporters have been tweeting up a storm. Tony LaBrusa has said that Lucas Giolito most certainly. Uh, will end up on the injured list and optimistically will miss his next two starts with the oblique strain that caused him to leave after four innings yesterday, 61 pitches. He was dominant, only gave up a hit, but he was also injured. And now, according to his manager, Tony LaRussa, he will miss the next two starts at least. Right. I, I, I see that, uh, you know, some people are describing it as oblique. Uh, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't heard uh, what Giolito said, but he did say that uh, he felt it for about three different pitches in a row before uh, he decided to let them know that he was coming out. And as you said, uh, he's going to go on the IL. That means uh, so he, here's a important piece of, um, of rules right now that, that pertain to this. For now, until May 2nd, the IL for players is 10 days, okay? okay. After, after May 2nd, it's 15 days. Hmm. So ideally, you know, if he's feeling better, he starts ramping up after three or four days, and he starts pitching again and gets, this gets to the point where he's 100%, maybe he comes off uh, after 10 days and he's able to start pitching again. But again you know, probably complete rest here for a few days at the very least just to see where he's going. I, I don't know exactly what the injury is, but we know it's in the uh, lower kib, uh, rib cage to the side uh, of his throwing side. So from all of that, um, they're going to be without him. Vince Velasquez will start opening day at, uh, at the guaranteed rate 
for the White Sox on Tuesday in his place. So, um, again, you're going to be without Lucas Giolito. And uh, the fact is, is that uh, in a situation where they've lost a lot of players starting Sunday for a week, White Sox will also be without A.J. Pollock, so he won't be a part of the home opener. He's going uh, on paternity leave uh, for a new child that's being born in his family. So it's it's really becoming a, a depleted situation for the White Sox just after one game. The battle of attrition begins, apparently. Uh, that is uh, good information, Bruce. And certainly, um, in the interest of accuracy, I'm calling it, I, I refer to it as an oblique strain because others have, but I think the White Sox on their website have referred to it as left abdominal tightness. So that is what will end up uh, costing Lucas Giolito at least two starts. Want to get to some of the implications. Maybe you guys have a reaction out there. 312-644-6767. Bruce, Vince Velasquez was named the opening day home opener starter uh, for Tuesday. Do you think that's because Reynaldo Lopez is being counted on for tomorrow to piggyback, as they say, the new term across baseball this season with Michael Kopech, and you just don't know what you're going to get from a Michael Kopech start? Right. I mean, you're, you're going to expect from Kopech three innings and a top of probably 60 pitches, okay, uh, tomorrow. That's what I'm thinking – that that's that's going to be ideal. Hopefully he gets to four and they let him go sixty. But uh, you know, again, uh, you're you're talking about uh, a pitcher that had a slow start to spring training, and uh, the last start out from spring training was only a couple of innings, and then uh, came out and went out for a, a third inning afterwards using the spring training rule where they they can take you from the game and then put you back in. Uh, so I would say sixty and three, but. You know, to getting to your point, David, they're going to have to start using uh, their minor league pitchers real quickly here. Very, very quickly. And the great thing I talked about with you and Molly on your show the other day is that the options uh, do not count until May 2nd. In other words, you can bring up an option a guy at will um, uh, during this period. Uh, normally, I mean, it's going to be... It's normally 10 days till you can bring them back, but uh, if there's an injury, you can bring guys back quicker than that. Uh, you're going to see a lot of movement here with the White Sox, and uh, knowing Rick Hahn, knowing uh, Kenny Williams, uh, they're they're out there pursuing more talent and looking at uh, you know other ways to fortify a team that is really going through a lot of bad luck right now. Jody Cueto still probably a month away. He needs to ramp up down in the minors. You don't expect him to, at 36, be ready sooner rather than later. Bruce, let me ask you a strategy question because I know we're, we're kind of immersed in injury news here and, and we, you know, the, the attrition of the White Sox has become the dominant storyline. But yesterday, we all saw how it ended. Javi Baez with the single in the middle of everything once again in Detroit. Ninth inning, the, the Tigers rally. They beat Liam Hendricks. They beat the White Sox. A.J. Pollock has a tough play in a, in a position right field that he hasn't played a lot. He is a more natural left or center fielder, more experienced there as a major leaguer. Should Adam Engel have been in the game and A.J. Pollock been in left field? Is that your defensive outfield? Uh, is, is that a fair question to ask one day into the season? I mean, the guy had three hits in the game, right? You know, he was, he's your leadoff man. So uh, 
he he's not a he's not a bad outfielder. Okay, um, uh, it's a fair question to ask because uh, Adam is a uh, extraordinary outfielder. But you know, at, at some point, you know you can't you can't cut him in two. He's going to go in for a lot of games, <laughs> probably in left field, right? Right. You know. Right. I mean, with all due respect to Jimenez, who's worked hard and has gotten better in left field. Uh, the defensive move late in the game is going to be to take Jimenez out of the ball game. But would Pollock go to left in that circumstance yeah. Yeah, I mean, and angle play right? Question. It's a fair yeah. question. You know, opening day, you know, you're you're still in a tight game. You're hoping to get offense out of the guy. Again, the guy's not a bad defender, but, um, you know, taking your offensive players out in a close game, you know, I don't I don't know if that came into mind for Tony. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to second guess. It's easy to wonder about everything when you lose a game as gut-wrenching as that one felt because, as we all know, we experienced it on Thursday when the Cubs' one victory felt like a, you know three and you start to have this optimism uh, that is maybe outsized just because we've been waiting so long for the season and here they are, they, they win a close game, and now the White Sox, in contrast, lose a close game, so you suddenly feel pessimistic you suddenly feel negative and you overreact but that is part of baseball and it isn't it fun bruce to overreact after one game yeah. because we have something I, to I was overreact just thinking to that david <laughs> david I, I was just thinking that because you you have the concept of being able to which is a really good trait be able to understand what a talk show host wants to ask and talk about and more importantly um in our jobs we try to ask what fans would would be asking, and and what the what the responsibility is uh, for the manager and the team to the fan base. We're the conduit of that. Oh, sometimes we do a better job than others, uh, you know. But again, uh, second guessing is a part of what fans do. It's it's what sports radio does. It's what uh, media does uh, these days, uh, all the time with social media going on. So, from that perspective, I think. Baseball players, baseball managers, front offices, they're, they have a little tougher exterior now because questions and questioning of them uh, is more now than it's ever been. And, and, it's, and it's out there a lot more because of social media. You could not be any more correct, Bruce. And that is the fun of it as well because you're sitting here and it's so easy to look at. Let's say, let, let's just say from the talk show host perspective and you look at you, Darvish giving up zero hits in the first outing, and he went 92 pitches. And like, okay, you want one of those. And, oh, by the way, he was followed up with the Padres. Sean Manaya, he goes seven, and you know what he did? He gave up no hits. And you're like, why isn't he in a Sox uniform? It's easy to wonder these things because you want what everybody else has if you're missing it. And the Sox right now are missing reliable starting pitchers because now right. – you don't have Rodon. He's with the Giants. Why did that happen, by the way? Why did they let him go? I get it, but still, now you don't have Lance Lynn for how long? There, and there were 44 Gilito. million reasons. 44 million reasons for Rodon. Uh, yeah, I know. But if, if you had known then what you know now, you would have oh, paid wow. up. Thank you. <laughs> Take that to Twitter, would you please? Just to, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's... I, obviously, I, uh, I mean, look, the White Sox did everything they could within reason, from what I'm told, to get Manaya. They didn't have the matchup that eventually it took for him to be traded, okay? Uh, you know, they had, they had a better matchup for them. 
White Sox don't have the the youthful uh, top prospects that they had a couple of years ago. Guess why? Because they're competing on one of the best teams in baseball right. uh, at the major right. league level. So you can't you can't have it all. The Cubs uh, during their time of uh, dominance, uh, what what occurred? What happened to them? That they drafted 26, 27th, 28th, uh, 30th one year after winning the World Series. Uh, and uh, the farm system suffered. Uh, you know, they weren't able to uh, get top players and they weren't able to uh, get them to matri- matriculate. So from from all of that, uh, you know, you can't have it all. You're You'd right. like to. I know. You'd like but, to, but you don't. But, Bruce, you're right. We, we do a, a balancing act of trying to be rational with reacting to the visceral because – Fans want to know they see these things happening, you know why they can't have that left-hander in the, the rotation. But in all seriousness, when you look at what they now are seeking, they're in a position of more desperation than they were a week ago. Do you think that changes anything about the Frankie Montas conversation or trade talks with the A's? You know, I, again, you you know, uh, I think I think they're in on all things that will help their pitching staff. But you know, David. Could they be trading from a weaker position than they are right, right now? No, you know, out there. I mean, I mean, you know, Han and and uh, and Williams are tremendously proactive, and they want that team to be a world champion more than anybody else. But uh, their responsibility moves way beyond 2022. Nobody wants to hear that, but their responsibility is to this organization to be good for a long time here, not just a uh, you know trade Vaughn uh, a knee-jerk reaction. For Montas, don't, when uh, you know Vaughn might be the next 35, 40 home run hitter. Don't trade that White guy. As well. No, right. that's my, the fan in me says Andrew Vaughn. Are you crazy? You don't want to trade him. I'm just Did saying. You, see that you know what do you think Oakland's going to ask for Montas? They're not. Mm. They're not. They're not asking for nothing. You know. That's true. I mean, but but you know, uh, they're Oakland's basically looking for players with seven, eight years of control. And that that I mean. Seven years, people. Until you get, you get to the major leagues, you you uh, you you don't allow them to uh, play the first two weeks. You have them <clears throat> like the Cubs had Bryant for seven years. Okay, um, that is that's the game that Oakland's playing right now. Contract control. Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com, and that is where we find. Tom in Glendale Heights. Good morning, Tom. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I, I, I am concerned about the front office. Um, two things can be true. The White Sox can have a top seven payroll, and they can still be kind of cheap. Uh, why did we not sign Robbie Ray or Max Scherzer during the offseason? Why didn't we give Carlos Rodon the qualifying offer? If he doesn't accept it, fine, we get some kind of draft pick compensation. If he does accept it, it's a one-year deal for $18 million, and I don't trust Dallas Keuchel. I don't know what Michael Kopech's going to do. If we're being honest, and you know, if you look at what Crochet did in college, he was never going to be a starter. He was never stretched out and never had the innings to probably be a starter. Uh, like I said, two things can be true at the same time. The White Sox, can, I can love this team. I can really like a lot of the guys on the team. But the White Sox can also have a top-seven payroll and still be kind of cheap. Why didn't we sign a pitcher during the offseason? It's like like we're surprised that this happened when we knew that going into a lockout, injuries could be a concern. Look at the San Diego Padres. They have like seven guys that they could probably put as a starter. I mean, this is what bothers me is it's like the White yeah. Sox. Why do, why do we have to trade? 
you know, why could, if, you, if you sign somebody in the offseason, then you don't have to make any trades. And, Bruce, I, di- I disagree with something that you said. You know, the Dodgers have a top, have a, have a top five farm system, and they also have, a, have the number one payroll. You can have mm-hmm. both. What bothers me is yep. I feel like as a White Sox fan, the White Sox have done a way of kind of cutting corners with this rebuild, whether it's trading international bonus pool money to Texas in 2019, you know, maybe after the 2020 draft, sign some more undrafted players for like 25K or whatever it was. I, I'm not asking for the payroll to be 90 or $295 million or whatever it is for the Dodgers. But if you look at the other teams above them, you know, Boston's 11 million more, San Diego's 19, Philly's 42, the Yankees 49, and the Mets 65. If, if this is the time to win a championship, hopefully multiple championships, I would like more of a commitment from ownership to make it happen. Thanks, Tom. All right, That's a fair uh, phone call, Bruce. Yeah, good, it's a good call, but they, they have made a strong, big-money commitments to their players, David. Uh, it's I, not I, like they've gone on I cheap. think they have. You know, yeah, I mean, look, uh, but, long-term but, big-money contract to Mancata, yes. uh, to Jimenez, to yes. Robert, even before right. even before Robert uh, stepped on a field, you know, on a major league field, the guy, you know, he, he had a, uh, a huge long-term contract. So the commitment is there. Uh, they choose to commit their big money and their long-term to guys that are uh, – are younger, signed early, developed early, and uh, going to be in their system for a long time. Uh, the the thing with, um, you know, he talked about, you know, the Padres having a commitment to seven seven pitchers and the Dodgers uh, being able to do both. Yeah, the Dodgers bring in $300 million a year just from their, their local television. Think about that. $300 million for the next 12 years going forward okay so they have the luxury they have the they have the luxury of that now i'm not taking away from what they've done with their system and finding uh, a lot of uh, players that have they've developed uh, guys that are uh, free agents that are out there they've done a tremendous job uh but um comparing the dodgers to just about anyone else in baseball it's tough. outside of the yankees yeah it's very difficult but i think this though bruce i think all those things are legitimate and and justifiable to, to point out that the Sox aren't necessarily cheap and they are, aren't necessarily unwilling to make financial commitments to players who have earned that, like the ones that you mentioned. But I also believe that when you go into this season and you lose Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito you know, uh, indefinitely in the first 10 days of the year or in the last couple weeks, then you do start to wonder after they let Carlos Rodon go – without making the qualifying offer if they went into the wrong season shorthanded at pitching and if this was a miscalculation. These are going to be fair questions and legitimate concerns about the front office's you know, projection about this season and what it could be and what they don't have. So they are a pitcher short, at least one. And now with Lucas Giolito out, two, he missed two starts. This could be a month. We don't know what he's going to come back as. So this right. is not the ideal way to start what has been termed a World Series or bust type of a season. Well, I, I rarely say that I was right about something, and I, you know, I, I even hesitate now, but I'll bring it up because I said it uh, when I was on with you guys toward the end of spring training, and I said that Velasquez and Lopez were going to be the most important players on the Chicago White Sox you did. team this year. Did I scoff? I, and, and it, 
and it, and it's and it, I, right. My my, I'm hurting myself. I just I just the core of uh, uh, an arm muscle patting myself. Bruce, you're on out the for back. two weeks with a pulled lat. You just patted yourself on the back right, too but hard. I, but I'll throw with the other arm. I'll throw with the other okay. arm. But but the reality is is that that's the depth that they need now. Are they is Velasquez going to be up to the task of being a starter? Uh, you know, he was built up that way in spring training. Lopez the same way. So, uh, you know, again, no team can handle uh, as many significant injuries to uh, their rotation and their and their pitching staff that the White Sox are are dealing with right now and not be impacted by it. As to the the next guy up theory, David, we'll find out if Velasquez and Lopez are up to it. Let's squeeze in Mike from Plano. Good morning, Mike. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, guys. You know, the last time I talked to you was last year after Giolito's playoff start, and I commented how I thought he really lacked poise out there, and he just looked too tense. And I get that same feeling watching the back end of this bullpen, especially Bummer and Hendricks. And uh, last year, every time I watched Bummer pitch uh, in high-leverage games and some of the biggest games of the year, he struggled with his command, and I'm seeing it with Hendricks, too, you know. The one, one thing I wish Hendricks would do sometimes, you know, and I, I like the emotion he has and I get all the theatrics. Sometimes I wish he would just take a deep breath, calm down, and get it over the plate. Trust not just your stuff, but trust the guys around you to make a play. You know, this is a guy that uh, yelled expletives on the mound for throwing a bad pitch on the, on the first day of practice this year. I mean, is there anybody in that organization that, Tells him to just calm down a little bit because I mean That's... those kind of emotions they can get you they can get you killed <laughs> on a baseball field they can work against you a lot. Thanks, Mike. I, I'm not laughing at you, and thanks for your call. I'm laughing at the idea that anybody would tell Hendricks to calm yeah. down. <laughs> Blimey, there's who's going to do that? There's 54 million reasons why they don't want him to calm down. Right. Uh, they they love his energy. They love what he brings. Uh, it's not always going to be perfect. Man, he was pretty damn good last year. He's the best he? closer in baseball, Bruce. And it's he was. obviously people are going to be disappointed this morning, but I think you have to give him uh, the kind of latitude that he has earned. You know, this is just who he is. Yeah, and he did exactly what you, you thought he would do last year. Yeah, there were some beginnings, uh, you know, fits and starts at the beginning of the year when he came out and, and gave up some home run balls. But, you know, honestly, uh, tell me – Tell me what closers out there you'd rather have than Hendricks in a big situation right now. Can't think of any. I cannot really think of any I'd rather have for the long haul than Liam Hendricks. Bruce, to close the loop on the Wilson Contreras conversation, we thought it would be the only time that there would be an arbitration hearing in season. Back in 1995, you have to go way far back, and that was you know, a lockout-related issues. Right. But the Baltimore Orioles and Mike Mussina had a June arbitration hearing scheduled they went into the season similarly as the Cubs are with Wilson Contreras but they avoided that hearing because they reached an agreement two weeks before that was scheduled to to take place so we'll, maybe the Cubs are headed in a similar path we'll wait and see thanks to Gordon Wittmeyer a buddy from NBC Sports Chicago for pointing out that history and and listening and also you know one giving people an idea what to expect when it comes to the Cubs and Wilson Contreras. Russell Dorsey covers the league. He has covered the Cubs. He knows baseball and MLB, and we will talk to him next here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. 
Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David Hall, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock talking baseball. And it's time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find the national MLB insider for Bally Sports, also a guy who hosts the rally, which will be able to be seen on Marquee Sports Network later this week next week and that is russ dorsey russ good morning welcome to inside the clubhouse thanks for joining us what's going on guys glad to be on with you great to see you the other day at wrigley field for opening day russ but let's talk about the white Sox. let's start with Mm -hmm. lucas giolito gonna miss at least two starts lance lynn is on uh the il for maybe uh, until memorial day they lost garrett crochet yo mancata out three weeks it's a battle of attrition already do you still consider the White Sox the team to beat in that division? I do, but uh, the gap is closing, David, right? You look at what the Sox' strength was. It was the top of that rotation with Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn, two guys that people uh, consider to be perennial Cy Young candidates. And now that you're not going to have those guys for a while, you're going to really need Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease and Reynaldo Lopez, who thought we were going to talk about that, and Vince Velasquez and, and, and Johnny Cueto, who they just signed to a minor league deal. Those guys are going to have to make like real starts for you very early in the season. And as the Tigers showed you yesterday, this division is not going to be a dog. Like Teams are not going to roll over and die. And then you have the, the Minnesota Twins that, you know, obviously they swung big and got Carlos Correa and Gary Sanchez and Byron Buxton, if he stays healthy, is a really good player in the league. And, you know, the Kansas City Royals, like they're doing a lot of good things down there in KC too with Bobby Wood Jr. and some of their young guys. So it's going to be a, a, a tough battle for the White Sox, especially if they don't stay healthy, which has kind of been their issue during their, their window. Yeah, Russ, uh, and again, thanks for joining us today. Um, when you look at uh, the White Sox situation, it was, uh, you know, there, were, there was really nobody else out there. You have to you have to remind me if there was that picked anybody but the White Sox to win the division. But, you know, the health of this team and the impact of 24 days of spring training and slow rolling your pitching staff into the season – uh, that's a lethal combination right now, not not just for the White Sox, but uh, everybody out there is dreading, as uh, Jed Hoyer told us um, on Thursday when he talked to the media on the field, he didn't use the word dread, but he said it's it's equal for all 30 teams. We're all really concerned about, you know, pitching usage and, and how to get through the next two or three weeks healthy. Absolutely. And, and you look at, you know, down there when I was in, in Arizona for spring training, it's the thing I I was asking managers and pitching coaches around the league about. Like, guys, teams are worried about how do we get 1,500 innings out of uh, the group of pitches that we have this year. And it, it's the question that you ask yourself every year, but especially, like you mentioned, with a shortened spring training, uh, these guys are tried to do something that they're not used to doing. Like, I know guys say, hey, we show up, we get ready, and we'll be fine. It doesn't work that way. Like, your body gets used to the habit of the six-week ramp up and then, you know, slowly getting into the season when you have to go from basically a stop or what would have been a stop depending on what guys did during the lockout right into spring training and right into a season. It's different. I don't care what anybody says. And so you saw the injuries and, and guys going down during the spring before we even got to this point. And now the Sox are dealing uh, with some of those ramifications right now, losing their ace, Lucas Giolito. 
And the Cubs have dealt with it too, Russ, as we as mm-hmm. Russell Dorsey from MLB Insider from Valley Sports joins us here on Inside the Clubhouse. You know, Wade Miley, you know, Alec Mills, they're going to have their own issues to deal with in their starting rotation. And I just wonder, as this sort of unfolds and evolves, does it make it uh, – Besides just the awkwardness that it creates for teams to, to look at the rosters, could there be some team that uh, you know you look at after a month and they how are they fifteen and five or or how in the world yeah. are they below five hundred? There's going to be some unnatural results in the first month that may affect the entirety of the season. Uh, I think when you look at it, David, you say, "All right, we're gonna, that, that team who goes fifteen and five in the first twenty games of the season, it's going to be who had really strong depth." Right. Who was able to plan things out before we even got to this point where it's like, hey, we could potentially have some injuries. We could potentially have some guys go down, but we have these guys, the fourth, fifth, sixth guy, and maybe even a guy down in AAA that we didn't you know, think would have to make a start. But now that we were in this position, that person could come up and make starts and pitch quality innings. I think it's that team, right? The, the teams that prepare for this moment, the teams with depth. I think teams that you know kind of sat on their hands during the off season and you know really didn't make a ton of moves in, until the very end. Those are going to be the teams that are, for lack of a better term, you know, caught with your pants down, right? And, and you're going to be like, wow, I, there were guys out there that we could have had, um, but we didn't we didn't make that move, and now we're, we're really suffering from it. Russ, you uh, covered the Cubs as a beat writer for a while. You uh, you will still continue to cover the Cubs, Sox, and all other. 28 teams in your new job mm-hmm. at Valley. Uh, but uh, what what are some of your thoughts about what the Cubs are trying to do in 2022 and then prepare for 23, 24, 25, 26? Uh, how difficult of a process is this for Hoyer uh, and company to uh, actually have a competitive team this year and uh, also be thinking about the future? Yeah, well, I think... Bruce, as you know, Jed talks all the time about threading the needle, right? And then uh, Theo used to talk about that, too, when he was here. And I don't think if people sometimes realize that's a very difficult thing. I think there are a lot of teams out there that try to do that, and they don't succeed. You know, teams that you know, try to go younger but also still compete at the big league level, it, it's a lot easier said than done. But, you know, what they did this offseason, you know, you go and you acquire Marcus Stroman, you know, kind of stabilize your pitching, which was probably their biggest weakness uh, overall last season. Obviously, they, you know, stripped the roster down, but that was probably the biggest weakness even when they had, you know, your KB, your uh, your Rizzo's, your Javi Baez. Um, but, you, you know, you bring in Seiya Suzuki. You were the big winner in that sweepstakes. And then you're really just starting to figure out, all right, who? Who's going to be those te- those players on that next great Cubs team? They're likely all not here, but you have some pieces. You have some young players coming, and guys like Brennan Davis, and um, in a couple of years after that, James Triantos, and, and guys that you are really high on in your minor league system. And then you supplement as you go, right? Maybe you find a, a guy with a couple of years of club control that is on the market that you didn't know was on the market. Maybe you go out and get that guy. So it, it's not like you're trying to say, okay, we got to win 95 games this year to really show people we're going to compete. I don't think that's. Uh, a, a six. If you try to do that, I don't think that would necessarily be successful. So I think you 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 play with what you have. Obviously, the injuries to your your pitching in the start of the season, including a guy like Albert Alzali, who uh, this was a really big year for in terms of development. So it's it's 
you know, it's unfortunate that he's going to miss a significant amount of time, but you're just trying to figure out, all right, who has staying power in the big leagues with the players that we have and your Nico Horners and your Nick Madrigals and, um, and your, your veteran rookies from last year coming back in year two and Frank Schwindel uh, and Patrick Wisdom. Like, you're just trying to figure out what different guys can be a player on that next great Cubs team. They don't necessarily have to be all-stars, but – you want to start shaping a roster so that you can make moves in the offseason and offseasons to come that fit that mold. Well, Russ, you did cover the great Cubs team sell-off, so you know what it was yeah. like when they got rid of Rizzo and Bryant and Javi and before that Kyle Schwarber. And yesterday, Schwarber homers. Rizzo goes deep. KB goes one for three, and Javi has the walk-off single against the White Sox for the Tigers. Which guy do you think Cubs fans will miss the most or who's going to have the best season of the ex-Cubs? You know, I think the guy that Cubs fans will miss most will be Anthony Rizzo. Uh, and, and maybe a close second will be Javi Baez in that, just because the excitement that that guy brought uh, 81, 81 times at Wrigley Field, it's, it's unmatched. And I think for the, the sentimental value and everything that he represented in this you know era of Cubs baseball, that's why you're going to miss Anthony Rizzo, right? And the guy who was the, the first member of that team, like the guy, the, the first cornerstone, of what Theo and Jed tried to build when, when they came over from Boston. I think that's why Cubs fans are, are really going to miss that guy. But the guy I think is going to have the best season, I actually think it's going to be Chris Bryant out there in Colorado. It was a weird fit, but at the same time, I think you look at it and you say, all right, KB's in a smaller market where he can kind of do his own thing. The media contingent is, is not as large as we have here in our fine city. Um, but just go out there. He, he got paid. He knows he's going to be somewhere for a while. He's close to his family out in Vegas, uh, you know, a couple hours away from uh, from Denver. So I think that is just a guy where you look at where is he comfortable, right? And it, it seemed for the last couple of years it was just KB trying to get comfortable somewhere. And now that he's healthy and, you know, he's locked in the, they're committed to have him play left field, I, I think that's a place where he can thrive. And I think you can expect to see the naturally the power numbers go back up there. Russ, uh, in 2021, the most overreported story in my mind was Tony LaRussa fitting in and managing with the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. Maybe in t- 2022, will that be the most underreported story, Tony LaRussa managing the White Sox? Has he, has he embedded himself in there and, uh, and put his mark on that team so much in this short period of time that it will not, not be an issue again? I think they have to win, Bruce, right? They have to win because when they brought Tony Roos in, they said he was that final piece that they needed in their championship window, a guy that had experience managing championship caliber teams and taking those teams over the top. If you're going to do what they did last postseason and you're going to be a first round out, I think there's a lot of people, and including myself, I remember writing about it in the Sun-Times, like, look, you got rid of Ricky Renteria because you felt like that wasn't the guy to take you to the next level. And, you know, he was a first round out the year that he was fired and you bring Tony in. It's the same thing. You can't, you, you have to continue the trajectory, right? You have to continue uh, to have your arrow pointing upward. You can't be a first round out. Like there's a lot of expectations for this Chicago White Sox team. They're young, they're exciting, they're talented, uh, but there are a lot of other talented teams in the American League. You look at Toronto, what the Blue Jays are doing. That that team's going to be really good. I'm really high on them. Out in Seattle, what the Mariners are doing. 
So it, it's not going to be this thing where it's like, okay, we're going to crown the White Sox. They got to go out and they got to earn it. But when you look at what Tony Larusa is to this team, I, I I don't think it'll be as big of an issue this year as it was last year. I think you're correct in that. But I think if the White Sox aren't winning, right? If you go through this long stretch of you know we're trying to find your way after you know Rick Hahn said, hey, this is the guy we want to lead this team uh, to this the, our, into our championship window. You, you got to start to back that up at some point. Quickly, before we let you go, Russ, Marcus Stroman moves from Saturday to Sunday. He tweeted out Sunday service with Marcus Stroman. What's realistic mm-hmm. in terms of expectations for a guy who, if he wins, is going to be one of the more charismatic, colorful guys in town? Yeah, I mean, I think you just have to expect that guy to, to really be your number two, even number one in this rotation. Like, is a guy who's been a talented pitcher in the big leagues for a long time. Uh, the ability to you know have a solid pitch mix, be able to change pitches on the fly, to be able to you know get ground balls at one of the highest rates in, in Major League Baseball. That's what you're going to need because you know when, as you guys know from covering baseball for a long time here, June, July, August, ball's going to fly, and so you're going to have to be able to really keep the ball down. Uh, and it was something that Cubs pitchers did not do well last year. Uh, even Kyle Hendricks had his struggles, and he talked about that at times last year. Um, you know, giving up homers. So if he can keep the ball down and continue to, you know, force other teams to hit the ball on the ground, get himself some double play balls here and there with what should be a much stronger defense behind them, it should be a successful season for Marcus Stroman if things go well. Great stuff, Russ. Thanks for joining us and have a great weekend. I appreciate you guys as always. Thank you. Russell Dorsey, MLB insider for Bally Sports, also host of the Rally which will, you will be able to watch on the Marquee Sports Network moving forward. Bruce, when we come back, there's still a lot to unpack with the White Sox and their woes, and obviously the home opener is on Tuesday. Vince Velasquez will be your starter. Who's, who's going to be pitching uh, after Mike Kopech tomorrow? You, you <laughs> yeah, are. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> what do they do, what direction do they go, and how does it affect expectations for this White Sox team when we come back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. This is Sports Radio 670, the score, Chicago's sports station. The White Sox, something I love about the White Sox this year, they're going to compete against a better division. They're not going to compete like they did last year against Little League or the someone they're going to face a big league team. They don't know what to do. I think the competition are there. Detroit got better. Minnesota got better. You know, the Guardians always they give them a headache with the pitching stuff they have. Even Kansas City Royals, they, 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 they got good young talent. It's not going to be easy for the White Sox the way it was last year, but I think they should win the division very easy this year. Inside the clubhouse, welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7-4, David Hall, Bruce Levine. That was Ozzie Guillen Friday on the Mullion Haw Show. He joined us talking about expectations and how they may have shifted and how difficult the division will be. Bruce, up in Detroit, White Sox play today, game two. Lucas Giolito talked to reporters, called his injury to the left abdominal region, freak and random. He was optimistic about coming back. He said this is one of those things. Tony LaRusso said he'll miss at least two starts. You also referenced and reported that A.J. Pollock will miss another week with uh, – miss a week with paternity leave. And so the White Sox are shorthanded. Question to you quickly, how does this change your expectations, if it does at all, all of these things that have happened with the injuries to Giolito, Lynn, Crochet, and Mancata? Well, I expect the Mark Burley to be ramping up right now at home in <laughs> Missouri and getting ready. 
it's not, you know, it's easy for me to be flip about it and, and joke about it, but it's not funny. Uh, it, it's a it's a real serious situation right now. Uh, the lineups are in today, uh, David, and uh, uh, for the White Sox, uh, the only change is that Sheets is uh, playing instead of the guy who homered yesterday, Vaughn. Uh, otherwise, the lineup's the same. The Cubs lineup is the same as Thursday, so David Ross has shown us that he's just going to prove that he's going to rest guys. They got the day off yesterday because of the rain, so therefore he's going back to his regular lineup. But, uh, you know, again, uh, it's all about protection mode right now for everybody. And the White Sox, they can't protect guys very well right now because they're running out of pitching. and They're running out of, of uh, position players. It's it's a really tough situation, but uh, – the depth that uh, Han and uh, Williams has have built into this team will be tested to the max over the next week or 10 days when they're waiting for people to come back from injury. I'm glad Nico Horner's back in the lineup today after having a good opening day. I know he was not originally in Friday's uh, lineup, but now he's back with the day off. So that's a good thing because that is a guy who is off to a good start. It's only one game, but you have to start somewhere. Absolutely. And a big day on the score after us, Steve Rosenblum, with his unique style of uh, sucking the way he has to. And then, of course, at 1245, it's uh, Zach Saban with the pregame show and Pat and Ron with the call at 120. David, we have people to thank. Yes, we do. David Robertson, the Cubs closer, joined us. Thank you to him on his birthday. He's 37 today. Russell Dorsey, not his birthday, but it's always a joy and a celebration when he joins us. Thanks to him. Cesar Perez, thank you for keeping us on the air. And, Bruce, thank you to you for all that you do for setting things up. And uh, have a great weekend, pal. You too as well. And uh, have a great weekend. And listen to Cup Baseball on the score. Take care. And join us Monday morning. We'll talk about it all. Mullen Hall, 5 o'clock, 5 to 9 every day here on 670 The Score. For Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.